This is Justin Glodish here with episode 39 of the Aka Education Podcast. And this week I have Cole Kitzmiller, an acapella arranger, recording artist, and performer. Cole is a solid barbershop performer, performs in three ensembles, Instant Classic, Half and Half, and Circle City Sound. He's here to talk about barbershop and some of the great things he's doing on the internet. Cole, welcome to the Aka Education Podcast. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I want to talk to you um, really quick just about your barbershop beginnings you know how did you get started with barbershop so yeah uh actually my dad was a barbershopper and he started back in the 80s actually might have been the 70s it was late 70s if it was but i think it was the 80s out in west virginia uh and then he ended up moving uh to indiana later uh and then he had you know kyle and i was my brother it's the base of my quartet and instant classic i'm sure we'll touch on that later mm-hmm. uh and he uh i don't know he he just I was around it my whole life and he, he directed a chorus and, uh, you know, eventually we just started getting used to hearing it and stuff and then seeing it. And, you know, by the time I was nine years old, I was a member of the barbershop harmony society. Uh, and and truthfully, the rest is history from there. I would say. Yeah. And, uh, how about like in middle school and high school, did you start any groups, become part of any groups, um, outside of, you know, barbershop harmony or spec school? I'm sure as it was, it was called a while back. Um, were you involved in any groups or starting any groups in middle school, high school? Now it's interesting. I actually wasn't, uh, in any other acapella groups except my high school choirs and such, uh, outside of that. So no extracurricular, uh, that wasn't barbershop. So I've been in a number of quartets and choruses, uh, but, but no, uh, just, contemporary acapella nothing like that while i was in uh, high school or anything like that so okay and you're a member of um let's see instant classic which is a men's barbershop quartet and then half and half which is actually a mixed barbershop quartet and then you're also a part of a barbershop chorus called circle city sound um can you describe uh the the work that comes with being involved in three separate types of ensembles and uh what's enjoyable about working with the different types of ensembles that you have well, yeah, you get a, a number of different perspectives uh, from every ensemble. Uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, the membership is very different between each one of them. Uh, and so in Instant Classic, the quartet have been a part of the longest, now 12 years, working on 12 years or so. Uh, you know, I, I've had the pleasure of seeing with my brother uh, and, and a couple of other guys that, that were friends with my brother and more close to his age. He's six years older than me, and the other two guys are about five years older than me. Uh, obviously, that same sort of... Uh, class they, they graduated uh, within a year of each other in college and then five years later i graduated uh so um but it's been interesting though because you know being in that group i i sort of feel like i had to learn a lot of things along the way because you know while they were in college 21 22 years old uh versus you know me who was 16 17 years old i just i was i was so i wasn't nearly as far along on my musical journey they're all graduating with music degrees and i'm just trying to pass math in high school you know so, uh, uh, but, you know, I, I went on to get my own music degree and then, you know, that sort of leveled out. But I would say, uh, you know, working with the guys in Instant Classic, truthfully, they're, they're, I, I have one brother in there, but truthfully, all three of them are my brothers. You know, I could count them for anything. And, 
Uh, so being a part of those groups is it's great because you know I trust them on on that level, and then the music is even better as a result. Um, so, but then you know I, I after I graduated college, I was in a, a group called Circle City Sound, which is a, a barbershop men's chorus from Indianapolis, uh, and that was in 2015 that I started doing that, uh, and I Theo directs it, which is the lead of my quartet, and David is the assistant director, uh, which is the tenor of my quartet, and my brother was, at the time, the music vice president when I joined, uh, and now they're still the, uh, David and Theo are still the director and assistant director, uh, and Kyle moved on to president, and then now I'm the music vice president of the organization, so, oh, wow. uh, you know, the, the joke is that Instant Classic kind of runs Circle City Sound. <laughs> we infiltrated them one member at a time. <laughs> Sounds like it, yeah. Yeah, and so, uh, and I'm still active in that today. Uh, I've been the music vice president for my third year in a row now. So nice. that's pretty fun. Uh, and then the last group, Half and Half, is quartet I started to do uh, in the beginning of 2018. So we're just at about three years now. Uh, and that includes uh, my girlfriend, Kim, Kim Newcomb, and uh, bass singer Cy Wood, who I think has made some rounds throughout the contemporary acapella scene. Uh, and then uh, uh, lead Jenny Sheets. Uh, and she's actually really she doesn't do music by trade like the rest of us, but she's a, a very talented graphic artist and designer, does all of our uh, video work and all of our uh, graphic design work. Um, and it's interesting, too, because that group is is uh, it, a totally different vibe, but so but so enjoyable. You know, I could rely on them for just about anything as well. That's great. Uh, so, yeah. That's cool. Now, um, with Barbershop, I know that, I mean, for me, I wasn't really exposed to it when I was in, you know, my high school and um, I, I didn't re actually didn't really come into contemporary acapella until I was in college. Um, so how can one who's maybe not as well versed in barbershop as myself um, make it accessible for my students, uh, for middle school, for high school? What are some ways that I can make it accessible for my students? Yeah, so one of the easiest things you can do is actually teach little segments of the song, uh, which we casually call tags uh, in uh, Barbershop, which I think is pretty much only, it, it only exists, that word only exists uh, in, uh, in that community. But basically it's the last, you know, eight, four to eight measures of a song, mm -hmm. uh, generally uh, something relatively popular or, or unpopular, but the, the popular ones were done by... Um, uh, champion quartet champions, chorus champions, things that are, are more well-known, something that's been recorded on an album. Mm -hmm. uh, but you can sing the ends of those songs uh, and teach one piece or one part to your uh, choir, and they might only have to learn, you know, three, four notes. And then you have, like, this barbershop harmony that you can sing with them. So, And normally you can find stuff that's really, really pretty simple uh, if you go back uh, and look in, in this they have an app called Good Tags uh, that you can search. And uh, it's filled with all sorts of tags that you can sing in the barbershop style. Um, and that's a great way that you can just get your kids used to barbershop and singing it and understanding that harmony. That's cool. And um, you said that's an app? Yeah, there's an app, Good Tags, one word. Perfect. I'm going to look that up myself. I'm not going to lie. And also, for reference, there's one called, uh, there's a, a website called barbershoptags.com, which I think is the database that pulls to that app. Um, Barbershop Tags has been around for 15 years at least. So, 
Awesome. Now, um, in terms of arranging, you actually arrange um, some things, not just in Barbershop, but Contemporary Acapella, too. And, uh, you know, listening to some of the songs you have on your website, uh, ColeKitzMillerMusic.com, for those of you who are listening, um, I had noted, we actually, in a, like a, the, the pre-interview, I guess you could say, uh, talking about Under the Sea and Can't Stop the Feeling, which actually aren't your arrangements, but some of the most solid barbershop arrangers like Theo Hicks, Aaron Dale, just to name a few. Um, what do you do to get yourself into the mindset of arranging for barbershop? Um, not just like the classic barbershop repertoire that we know, but we're starting to see a lot more of the contemporary music being put into a barbershop style. So where does your mind go when you start thinking about arranging barbershop music in general? Yeah. So uh, for me, it's, you know how, if you start learning a language or playing the piano at a very early age, you understand it sort of on a different level than if you were to try to pick it up at, at 20. Right. Yep. So like in that, and that's, that's always the case. You see these phenomenal piano players and they've been playing since they were five years old. Uh, because, and I don't know exactly the exact science, but for some reason, you have an easier time learning it and understanding it on, on a language level. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's sort of how I'm with barbershop. So when I hear a song on the radio, or I hear a song uh, anywhere, then then all of a sudden I'm thinking like, I'm hearing the barbershop chords in my head. And, and then, you know, by the time I sit down, it's just a matter of getting what I hear onto the paper uh, and all that. So it, it's it's more, it's it's less like, oh, I don't know. I just feel like it just comes so naturally, uh, the barbershop specifically, the barbershop style. Mm -hmm. And uh, you had mentioned one uh, crazy little thing called love. And uh, so that was just basically, you you felt it, like you heard it and you're like, I was it one of those, I could totally make this barbershop. Like for me, I, anytime I hear a song on the radio, I'm like, I could totally make this an acapella song. And then, yeah. you know, the same thing I go, I'm, I'm cranking out chords. I'm like trying to figure out. So is it basically the same thing you, you put it is, is it almost like the, that moment in the, the movies where like you see all these like numbers, like crossing in front of the guy, it's like <laughs> a beautiful mind kind of thing. And you're like, I just got to write this down. Is it, is it kind of like that? Cause that's how I picture it for me. I don't know. Yeah. I definitely write the song down and I'll listen to it over and over and I'll start to hear and sing with it. I'll harmonize with it, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in sp- that song specifically is sort of a, it's a popular song as done by Queen. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it, it doesn't really feature like, like barbershop, like you would expect barbershop, but it, it's more just like classic Rocky sort of Elvis mm-hmm. feel. Right. Uh, but I did pick a couple moments throughout the song to just sort of add that barbershop flavor, you know, a, a dominant seven instead of just a minor seven, something like that. Right. That just gives it that, that barbershop flair without losing, you know, the, the flip, the flair of the original song without, right. you know, you, you don't want to mess up the integrity. Oh, of course not. Especially yeah. with queen. You never, you never want to mess up with the integrity. And, there. and part of the reason I, I was, I listened to queen God, when I was, before I was even 10 years old, I got one of those greatest hits album with like three CDs, the platinum one. Yep. Uh, and I listened to that thing all the time. And part of the reason I felt so interested in them is because their harmonies do, they're a little bit more complex than your average rock band uh, and all the different vocals, the overlays that Freddie Mercury would do. It just drew me in because it reminded me in a lot of ways of what Barbershop is. Yeah. So. And, um, you know, looking at your website, one of the things that we had um, Charlie Kinison on here a couple of weeks ago for his own choral company, uh, you know, creating 
learning tracks for choral tracks, uh, you know, and there, there seems to be a lot more people involved in that business, but you also have learning tracks specifically for barbershop tracks, whether they're arrangements of yours or other arrangements. So, um, can you talk about the process of how you prepare that? Because this is essentially your business, you know, you create learning tracks for people to be able to prepare themselves, uh, better. So, um, how does it work to, uh, gather learning tracks from you? Is it um, just only what's based on your website or can uh, people like commission you to, you know, do something specific for them? How does that work? Yeah. So um, uh, very much within the barbershop community, that's sort of my, that's my home base, right? And I I Mm -hmm. deviate from there. Barbershopper ends up being a high school director and says, Hey, I could do something for my kids. But I would say primarily most of what I get comes from within the barbershop community. Um, So yeah, when somebody wants a learning track, they'll reach out to me through my website and be like, hey, I have the song. Uh, and in most cases, it's actually four parts or less because I'm dealing with barbershop. Uh, but in some cases, it does go beyond that uh, within the barbershop community. So people will reach out and say, hey, I have a song I'd like you to do. Uh, and then they'll send me the music and I'll say, okay, um, I'll get it to you in X amount of time. And uh, that I always ask for their input. You know, is there anything specific you want to hear out of this? Uh, and, you know, if they say yes, then whatever. If they don't have an answer, then I just sort of use my best judgment. Uh, and then and then the rest is history. I end up doing it later and marking up the music and then knocking it out one part at a time and cleaning it up and sending it out. So That's awesome. That's awesome. And I, I mean, I'm looking, folks, and there's 37 pages worth of arrangements here. It's an extensive library, and it's, you know, it's all treble voices, SATB, you know, uh, TTBB. It's it's everything, and it's not just, you know, like I said, arrangements by Cole, but you got, you know, stuff that's been done by, like, Signature and the Newfangled Four, just, you know, act, you know, strong barbershop quartets that are out there that Cole has prepared these arrangements for. And um, speaking of arranging, you know, the contemporary acapella side too. Uh, if you actually go to Cole's website right now, he's got right on the front page, um, at the time of this broadcast anyway, uh, his new Super Mario Brothers medley, which is actually it's it's fairly long, but it is amazing in every way. As a, a, a kid, I'm going to call myself a kid. I don't even care. I know I'm like I'm older than you, and that's okay. But growing <laughs> up with you know nintendo and super mario brothers and and growing up with those themes and those those melodies putting together this medley just it looked like a lot and just the the video itself is phenomenal so um was this something that you did like piece by piece or you're like what was the process of coming up with this amazing medley Oh my. So I got a wild hair. Honestly, it was the 5th of May last year. I remember because mm-hmm. I bought a car on Cinco de Mayo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and on the way up to go get my car, I had to drive a couple hours. I was just thinking like, I was as I was starting up my uh, YouTube channel, I was like, oh, man, what would, what would people really enjoy and what have they not seen? And I decided, well, they've seen people sing Mario music and acapella, you know, especially the really well-known ones that probably the three to five that pretty much everyone's heard. Right. Um, but there's so much good music within the Mario uh, world that mm. I, I feel like is getting underrepresented in, in music in general, but especially acapella. Uh, and so I decided that I was going to make us a, a medley at this time. I was thinking, what if I just had one good song from every video game ever made uh, in the Mario series? Uh, and that was just, that's where I started. And then I went home and did some research and realized that Mario had been featured in over 400 games at the wow. time, it's probably another like 15 since I finished. Um, and so I had to 
I had to maybe re-strategize and say, okay, well, maybe I'll just pick one from every major series. So I tried to get a, a game from every series uh, in the Mario in the Mario world, uh, and then basically put them together. Uh, it's going to take just a minute to get through all this, but it's it, it's so worth it. Uh, I, I downloaded all the songs off uh, YouTube, just like in YouTube to MB3, and then I I went through and I listened. These are my favorite sections. Boom, 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 boom. And then I would line them up in a way that made sense and then change that a million times. And I think I started with 26 songs. Mm-hmm. And for reference, I finished with 40, which it was me mostly just being uh, <laughs> a little bit aware that I'd want to miss something important. So I kept adding things and adding things. And I was like, I never played Super Mario Land 2, but maybe I should have something from that. And so uh, as I put all those together, I got them sort of lined up and listened to it. Uh, and then I would be like, okay, I think I want to move this and this and this. So I'd do whatever. And then it, it would change later as I was going through it. Yeah. So that was sort of like the research piece of all of this. And then the, obviously it's the creating of it. Uh, and so what I did is I took these sample MP3s uh, and I would download them on the Dropbox, upload them to a, 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 an app called Audio Stretch, and then I would slow it down, if, especially if it was really fast. And then one piece at a time, I would just go into Finale and just no formatting, nothing, just notes, you know, tempo and notes. Yep. <laughs> and I would do that for every song, and I I just kept adding staves, staves when I needed them. Uh, and uh, so... That's what I did. I did normally five, six song chunks. I would go through and I would, I would lift it and listen to it, lift it, and then go through in, into Pro Tools and record it, and then do the percussion, edit up the audio, put it back into Pro Tools, six songs at a time. And then by the time I was done, you know, that was it. That's amazing. Uh, 40 songs later. <laughs> wow. That's a great pandemic project. I'm not going to like how long yeah. you said, you said you started basically the day you got the car, Cinco de Mayo, you know, and, yeah. um, so how long did it take you to really complete all that? Okay, so the audio, again, just segments from here, but the audio started in uh, in May, probably yeah. the second week. I got really excited at the beginning and then realized it was way too big of a project to finish. <laughs> I, I was so rosy-eyed. I thought it was going to be done uh, in July, yeah. and then it, I had to. I didn't get it out until February. So oh, wow. <laughs> so uh, I... Yeah, I would say the audio took me, I, I had that finished up. The, the mix was finished by October, and then I sent it off to Vocal Mastering, Dave, uh, to get that uh, mastered. Um, yeah. If I could just put one plug, yeah. Dave's awesome, Vocal Mastering, for any of your mastering needs. Yeah, that um, was amazing, yeah. And then and then in December, I, I, I ended up ordering like a lot of shirts and, and a couple of props and things. I, even I feel like they're all in the video too, by the way. They are, yes. <laughs> But I bought them all for this thing, and uh, and I wanted to have something that sort of represented the series. And you know, I I didn't know what to do for you know this new Super Mario Brothers Wii. So I was like, I could just get like a Wii shirt, but I ended up just wearing like a big M on that one. Nice. Uh, and so as I went through that and I recorded all of the video, basically two full work days on a Friday and a Saturday, fresh haircut, the whole deal, just so that mm-hmm. way everything was like the same, because I might end up using something from another take. Who knows? And so that was sort of the idea behind it. And then I, I started editing the second week in December. And then I knocked out several hours a week, pretty much every week until I released it I, nice. through, through the end of January, essentially. Uh, and that the whole, the whole project, and I didn't have a timer on it, but I can tell you just sort of based on deduction, it was probably somewhere around uh, 
300 to 400 hours. Man, that's, that's, that's mind blowing. Cause like outside of, outside of Dave mastering, you essentially did the entire thing from start to finish. Like, like all the video editing, just that's, that's phenomenal. Like I give you props, man. I'm over here trying to figure out how to, you know, do (laughs) video editing on the fly for some of my own students. And that, that's just amazing. The amount of hours that you put in and it's, it was totally worth it. You know, it just watching that video, it is, it's slick. It's, it's very good. It's very well done. So kudos to you, man. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And I, um, for those of you that don't know, um, aren't familiar with the uh, CARA Awards, the Contemporary Acapella Recording Awards, uh, which a lot of us uh, kind of equate to the the acapella Grammys, I guess you could say. Um, and um, they're actually, the winners are going to be announced at the Boston Acapella Festival, the Boss Festival, very soon. And Cole's actually nominated for a few awards. He's actually up for Best Barbershop Album for uh, Down for Double and Best Barbershop Song, amongst uh, many other things. And um, yeah, and... One of the reasons why I know this is uh, kind of kind of throw it out there. I was actually the nominate one of the nominating judges for. <laughs> so I, yeah. when I heard it, I was like, "This dude's good," like, <laughs> and and it's all blind. So I'm like, I need to know who this is. And then I went and found it, and I found you, man. And I was like, "Damn!" Like it's not it's one guy doing all four parts, you know. And that's that was just mind blowing to me uh, to hear it all again because my lack of. <laughs> barbershop knowledge just to hear the amazing harmonies that you had put together and just some of the music you got on there is just great so um i actually wanted to ask you that question because you're involved in you know three groups but you also do this this gig where you record all your own stuff you got some great music out there so i i guess you could i could ask you to compare the two but i think i feel like there's so many pros to to both sides so um you know when what do you find easier working with other people or, or working uh, with the creative liberties that you have on your own? Yeah, that's interesting. So there's sort of three distinct categories for me. The first one uh, has to be working with, uh, you know, just doing my own thing. So when I'm, when I'm doing my own thing, I can do, I can sing whatever notes I want. I can do whatever rhythms, everything is totally my decision, uh, which is the best, that, that's the best for, you know, being for the creative control. Yep. But also, you know, working with other groups, you get different perspectives that, that make a difference too. Uh, and so I would say the best thing about doing my own stuff is just total creative control. Now, when I work with other groups, and I wasn't sure, were you referencing specifically recording them, like their albums or just singing in them? I just think singing in general, you know, like coming up with, uh, you know, the, the creative differences, you know, uh, we had talked earlier, you know, sometimes there's creative differences uh, between, you know, members of the group. And those will either help the group because uh, depending on how you attack those differences or it will hinder the group you know, depending on how you attack those differences. So just overall working with other people, um, regardless of the size of the group, whether it's just the quartet or even the chorus itself. Yeah. So um, I can be pretty hard headed when I have my own opinions Mm. Uh, and, you know, just brotherly love my brother and I can butt heads sometimes, but we've gotten a lot better at communicating and coming uh, to uh, to uh, some sort of consensus. Uh, But you know, in, in instant classic, Theo also has pretty strong opinions about things. We've got sometimes this three-way battle about which way to go with all this stuff. But uh, by the end of it, we always come to what we we end up saying, this is the right answer. And what ends up happening, musical decision or something like that, try it one way, try it another, and then try it maybe a third way if there is one. 
And then in, I would say, probably 80 to 90% of cases, we all come to the same conclusion that, yeah, this is the right answer. So uh, that's nice. And, and similar things in half and half as well, uh, where, uh, you know, we have different opinions, but it's a very different vibe there. Um, mm. But, you know, again, I think we all end up coming to the same conclusions uh, the, when we try things out and say, okay, well, that works for me. Um, but so I, can't, I guess I can't really pick uh, singing in an ensemble or, or being, uh, you know, my own, you know, 500-person band. Uh, but uh, I would say that uh, both have their merits and both have their uh, difficulties as well. Yeah, I, I know that when I was younger, uh, especially in college, I, I was hard-headed as well in terms of a lot of decisions. And um, so I, I, I actually had trouble being okay with someone else's ideas for a while and uh, until, until I heard it. And I was like, all right, yeah, no, you're right. That makes sense. I was mad at myself for a couple of reasons. Mad at myself that I was stupid enough not to agree with it in the first place and mad at myself for looking like a moron in front of everybody else when it, when it finally came down to it, you know? So, um, but yeah, you know, you're, you're not the first person to say that, you know, uh, we had Claude McKnight on the podcast a while back and he said, take six, it's the same way, you know, just longevity in in their careers. You know, we're talking 30 plus years of performing and same thing. Those guys, you know, have been together since college and they still have their disagreements, but you know, they work it out diplomatically, which, um, is is important you know in any group that you're in you know so um now when you say when you say the vibe is different with um you know your mixed group as opposed to your uh your all your all male group um i feel like that kind of that can be similar in like a high school setting or a collegiate setting it's just um it what do you what do you mean by like the vibe being different just out of curiosity well, I mean, just different personalities and, and just sort of the way that, that rehearsals unfold uh, mm-hmm. is very different. So, you know, when I think about Instant Classic, Theo is uh, the director of the chorus, uh, and he's just finishing up his coursework for his doctorate. Mm-hmm. So he has a lot of really, really good ideas. Not that anyone else doesn't, but right. like, uh, you know, he tends to bring a lot of what he's learned in his collegiate works uh, to what we're doing, Right. And I think that makes uh, a, posit- a positive impact. Uh, and of course, David is also a director, but he tends to be a little bit more uh, agreeable, right, than mm-hmm. like the other three of us. But it, when he says something, it, it really it resonates with us. Uh, and so that's that's sort of instant classic. In, in of course, my brother is my brother. No, I'm just joking. Yeah. <laughs> he has a lot of good ideas too. Uh, but when you get to half and half, uh, you know, you've got uh, Jenny and Sai. Mm-hmm. Uh, based on the lead, who have a significant amount of experience in theater. Uh, right. And so Sai, is, he was on Broadway for a few years. Uh, he was living in Korea for a while, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, but he has a whole different perspective that the rest of us don't have. And so, you know, when he talks about, you know, performance and such, I, I you know, it's, it's something that you don't see as much in instant classic through that lens. And so the same thing with Jenny, right? Uh, and, and Kim and I are learning track producers. We both make learning tracks. And so like, we tend to be really focused on things related to tempo, right? Things that are like more technical, even though like my, my natural tendency is very right brained, you know, live in the moment, but learning tracks have made me left brained because all I can see is, you know, lining up 
uh, notes and melodyne. <laughs> you yeah. know, that's, that's so much of what I do in life. So when I see that, that's, that's what I see, like, in that, you know, I want to do things in, in time. So anyway, like it's very different perspectives, um, from each of these groups, which sort of, uh, you know, ends up in two different end products, which I think is what makes the quartet so special, uh, is that you've got one over here that's doing one thing. Another one's over here that's doing another thing different, mm-hmm. but still both good, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah, and and I think that's one of the things I love about about music in general is that there's like no one right way to do it, you yeah. know. And and you're you're talking about the success of two completely different groups. Well, three if you include the chorus itself, and yeah. they're all approached differently. And um, you know, I know that talking to you, talking to many other educators uh, through this podcast, is that we all don't have like the way. You know, we have. Yeah our way and our way is always sprinkled in with something from someone else you know what i mean so um, i just think it's fascinating watching you know hearing that you have these different perspectives that really help the group be unique and uh, bring success to it so um, that's pretty cool i think that's what makes art so special you know what i mean there is no you know silver bullet answer for every group the reason that we listen to specific groups is because they did it their way uh, mm-hmm. So if you, you know, and that, and that's a realization that, you know, every ensemble I've been in has had at some point is that we need to stop trying to be like someone else and really just, you know, stick to what we're good at and, and, and dig into that. So sort of, and it, you see a lot with just people in general too, when they start, you know, living and being exactly who they are, they tend to be happier and all that stuff. And people tend to be more attracted to them, you know, in a friendship sense, just simply because they seem very genuine. And right. so the result is that both groups have a genuine thing and because it's genuine, it doesn't matter what, what it is. It's, it's attractive because it's real. Right. Uh, and so that's, that's sort of the goal. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's life. That's life lessons with Cole Kitzmiller right there. <laughs> that's totally the truth. Now, um, before we get going, I have to ask, and I hope that like, you know, your barbershop buddies don't get mad at you when I ask you this, but um, who are some of the arrangers that you really dig um, in the barbershop community and if you had some top groups that like you just love, like you have to listen to them, who are some of the top quartets that you enjoy too? Yeah. So as far as arrangers go, um, I'm a big fan of everyone that I'm close to. So Theo does arrangements. David Zimmerman does arrangements, tenor of the quartet. My brother has done some arrangements, not so much uh, now, but he has a lot of older stuff that I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we instant classic specifically has gotten a lot of, arrangements from Patrick McAlexander, uh, which is a name that's really popular amongst the deranging community. Uh, so that's sort of like the core for me, uh, and, and sort of creeping her way into the core is an arranger called Melody Hine. Uh, and uh, every time I hear a new piece that she does, I'm just uh, amazed at, at her level of talent and arrangement. So I would say that's probably the, the, close core of people that I have it. Oh, and my dad too. He does a lot of stuff for instant classic. Uh, and, uh, you know, got me into it, you know? And so I, I remember getting on his computer and looking at all those old arrangements and for the people out here who, who remember it, there's a program called music time that came out for windows 98. Oh, and, man. uh, it was, clunky. It, it was clunky. I'll tell you that. But, uh, <laughs> he had all of his arrangements in music time deluxe, and wow. I go through there and I make my stuff. And, you know, I was six years old. I was just putting notes everywhere. I didn't know what I was doing. But, right. <laughs> you know, I was getting indoctrinated into the barbershop style well before I knew it. Uh, and 
there's a couple of other arrangers that I really dig. You know, I've done stuff with by Aaron Dale. Uh, I've mm-hmm. also really enjoyed the music of David Wright as well. Uh, but again, that's that's sort of the core of people that we that I sort of uh, hold on to there. So, um, and as far as groups to listen to, uh, the Westminster Chorus has uh, got to be one of the top ones. Their their uh, first album, which in the name escapes me right now, uh, is a phenomenal album, and I I really love how they sort of took that because you've got barbershop chords and arrangements, and you also have this sort of barbershop sound element. Mm-hmm. Right, a little bit more straight tone, definitely a focus on just intonation, and so what you get is this really beautiful uh, sonorous sound uh, from a group like Westminster, and you add a little bit of passion and fire behind that, and you have magic. Uh, and so sense. when I listen to Westminster, I get that that sort of like that hybrid of like what people love about choral music, but also what people love about barbershop. Mm. So, uh, and I it only takes a moment. That's that's the album. And I saw their live cut when they won in 2010. 2010, that's right, because it was in Philadelphia, the international competition. I saw them sing It Only Takes a Moment live, and that was pretty special. Uh, it's on YouTube somewhere. I would check the Barbershop Harmony Society page uh, as far as choruses go. I also really am a big fan of the Ambassadors of Harmony. Um, so that those are a couple for choruses. And for quartets, uh, I think that everyone should take some time and listen to The Ladies, which is Kim's Quartet, My Significant Others. Uh, and, of course, Instant Classic and Half and Half. We can't forget those. Mm-hmm. Um, GQ is another good quartet. Uh, the Newfangled Four is a really good icebreaker into Barbershop because mm-hmm. they have that sort of fun. They have that fun element about them that, you know, people really enjoy, but they're, you know, and, and it pulls in people that aren't necessarily already within the style, right? Mm-hmm. They've had, they've been a, a wonderful success on YouTube. Uh, and, and I think it's just very simply because of that, because they have such a, a unique and, and inviting style about them. Um, I also am a big fan of Focal Spectrum uh, mm-hmm. and Crossroads. Uh, and I would also check out Ringmasters. Uh, and I've got to throw one out for a forefront for Drew, Drew Wheaton, my boy. You already mm-hmm. interviewed him. Um, I mean, there's there's a, a just a slew of uh, excellent quartets out there. Um, I would check out Double Date too as a mixed quartet. I could I, the list could go on and on, but that'll oh, get, yeah. that'll get you at least through the the next evening. <laughs> <laughs> next evening, nice. And it's so great that you bring up Drew because when you mentioned all these arrangers, Drew actually like exact same ones. You know, mentioned Melody Hine. You know, uh, yeah. mentioned Patrick uh, McAlexander. You know, mentioned Theo. You know, so he. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's amazing how, like, I always say how it's amazing how the, the acapella community is like this small, like tight knit, like almost everyone kind of knows people. Yeah. Um, barbershop seems to be the same exact way. And um, I think that's fantastic that, um, I, yeah, I, I, you can't see it folks because, you know, this is an audio podcast, but I already have a sheet, like, like just word for just everything that he just said. I have my next evening planned listening to a lot of these groups, which is phenomenal. So um, if you haven't uh, gotten the website, it is colekitzmillermusic.com. And I'm going to be posting that in the episode description link along with uh, the Super Mario uh, medley, uh, as well as some of his other amazing stuff. Uh, Cole Kitz Miller, thank you so much for joining me this week on the Aki Education Podcast. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure to be here. Thank you. We'll be right back. Bottom, 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 bottom
Hey everyone, this is Justin from the Aka Education Podcast here to tell you about Anchor. Anchor is what I use to create these podcasts, and let me tell you, it's free. Uh, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And the beauty of it is we'll distribute the podcast for you. So I can record on Anchor and it's going to send it to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all these other places as well. And I love that I can make money from this podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So be sure to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So this podcast was recorded prior to the announcement of the Kara Award winners for 2021, and I'm proud to announce that Cole Kitzmiller won both Best Barbershop Album and Best Barbershop Song for the work on Down for Double. I'd like to thank Cole for joining me this week on the Aka Education Podcast. Be sure to check him out at colekitzmillermusic.com. Be sure to check out the links in the episode description for resources from this week's episode. Follow the podcast on social media at Aka Ed Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And follow me, Justin Glodish, at OfficialJGlow on TikTok and Twitter. If you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We're found on Anchor, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. New episodes are released every Wednesday. You can also now tune into the podcast on Akaville Radio, akaville.org. If interested in supporting this podcast with a monthly donation, go over to anchor.fm slash podcast to do so. And if you ever have any questions about the podcast, suggestions on future guests, please email me at akaedpodcast at gmail.com or leave a voice message on the Anchor website. From the Aka Education Podcast, I'm Justin Glodish. We'll talk soon.